Hey River Church, good to be with you this morning. We hope you were able to get connected last week through our Closing the Distance devotionals or joining us with our online service. I know River Kids got together, uh, Rush, via Zoom, so go on our website for information, but we are so glad to be with you again this week. Recently, I was at my daughter's uh, front yard with uh, she and my grandson, and the gardener next door showed up with a blower. And his face immediately was frightened. He was threatened of the noise and scared. And he looked at me and he wasn't quite comforted. And then he looked and ran to his mom. And in her arms, he was totally secure and unafraid. I feel like for us right now, this is what we're facing. Many of us are scared, we're afraid, we're threatened by the virus. God invites us to come to him, to look into his arms, to be with him to find security. I'm going to open this morning with a psalm, uh, Psalm 27, and it provides so much comfort. I, I picture little August running into his mother's arms for comfort. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. And though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock and my head will be lifted up above my enemies and I will have comfort in his tent. Let's open with prayer this morning. God, we thank you for your dwelling place and the way you can conceal us in your tabernacle. We come together as a community this morning, um, gathering in the security of your presence and of your tent. And we ask for a great word, God, and great worship and just uh, a feeling that we're all together, even though we're not right next to each other, we are in spirit and in presence. So we ask for your presence with us and your spirit upon us in everything this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, good morning, River Church. Uh, I'm here with Molly Tempo, who is one of our amazing nurses in the South Bay. And Molly, it's a privilege to be with you today. And just to hear from you about what it's like on the front lines of fighting uh, the COVID-19. And so first I want to give a little, let's just give a little COVID, uh, whoop, little like greeting. What's <laughs> up River Church? Little COVID uh, foot tap to you uh, or a, a digital hug, yeah, air hug. Hugs. We can do that as well. I like doing that. Uh, so Molly, we were meeting as a staff this week and we were talking about you and your colleagues and uh, you guys don't have the option just to stay home from, and work remotely. You have to go into the hospital, have to care for patients who might be exposed, which could potentially expose you. Uh, you have medical supplies are often scarce right now. And I think we were just overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude for you and your colleagues and other people in the River Church who are doctors and nurses. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you for being the literal hands and feet of Jesus right now in this moment. Well, not literal, but you know, you're actually, you're literally carrying out the initiative that Jesus had of, of going and touching those who are sick, who are really hurting in need. 
um, love so much. And so we want to say thank you for that. Yeah. So I think just to start us off, tell us a little bit about uh, life right now and tell us where you're working. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, well, like Matt said, my name is Molly Tempo. I'm a labor and delivery nurse at um, Long Beach Memorial Miller Children's. Um, yeah. And so life is, do you have a normal schedule? Do they have like a special uh, COVID-19 schedule for you guys? <laughs> special yeah. screening that they're doing for you or? Screening, yeah. We're, um, every day we go in, they check our temperature and they ask if we've had any symptoms. Um, and that's like kind of all they're doing for screening. But um, we're kind of supposed to, hopefully people are being honest about not coming in if they're sick. Yeah. But, um, for those of us that can still work our three 12 hour shifts a okay. week, that's like full time. Um, we do it, but they've been really flexible with people who need, um, childcare and like both of that, their, um, them and their partners are working from home and okay. it's been really hard. So they've kind of put together this labor pool that they can kind of pull people who've like volunteered to be extra, wow. um, to help people who just can't come in and they aren't penalizing people with like pulling PTO for sick hours and wow. they've been flexible. That's good. It's cool. Yeah. Is there a noticeable anxiety level difference, do you think now, uh, that you see on the floor um, with your colleagues versus, say, three months ago? Yeah. Um, I kind of, I, I don't feel like it's crazy different. I feel like our unit is, um, we have really high risk pregnant mm -hmm. uh, patients. So it's kind of always levels of anxiety. But I feel like when we're in there, it's kind of like just reverting back to work it's kind of not really I mean aside from all the different things that have changed that we yeah. have to do differently um, I don't really feel like there, it's like a crazy sense of anxiety but um, yeah okay that's not good but yeah. you're you're there to offer peace and comfort yeah hopefully well so this this Sunday we're talking about uh, Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 3 is a great story about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and stepping into the fire and uh, God is with them in that fire. And they, uh, because of their faith in God, uh, they were willing to even go into that fire um, because they want to be faithful to him. And so I was, as a staff, we were talking about this as well. It's like, it really feels like that story. Like you guys are going into the fire each day, um, following God uh, to be faithful to your calling as a nurse. And so I wanted to ask you, how do you? How are you seeing uh, God present right now in this moment or this, you know, global crisis? Yeah, um, I think. I mean, this has been a topic of Chad and I's dinner conversations yeah. a lot lately. <laughs> Your amazing well. husband, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I. I mean, ultimately, God is totally in control of all of what's happening, and it's happening for whatever unseen unknown reason you know yeah and that I feel like is just my end of the day thought always with all of the chaos happening with this but um I definitely feel like the Lord's given me a total sense of peace mm -hmm. in it and it's easy to fall into fear and anxiety and panic with all of this um especially things that are on social media and what the news is showing all the time and um it's definitely easy to get caught up in the panic but I just feel a total supernatural sense of peace from the Lord, which is oh. awesome. And um, I mean, I also feel like I've been bolder in my faith at work, which is cool. Really? And I just 
could only pray that even though it's not crazy um, heightened anxiety at work, definitely people are still a little yeah, on edge. Absolutely. And I could only hope that and pray that like somebody notices a mm-hmm. difference in me and wants to know why and like asks questions about it. And I mean, how cool would that be to like preach the word of the Lord in the midst of this chaos? Absolutely. <laughs> in the fire. Yeah. yeah. There you are yeah. proclaiming. And that's that's exactly right. That's the story of like the the witness that Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendogo gave. Just being in the fire. They were testifying to their faith in God. And so just you, your presence there, that your faith being bolder in uh, this time, that um, it is giving witness to, to Jesus and the gospel. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, well, we're going to be praying for uh, great conversations that could come out of this. That'd be really neat. Thanks, yeah. Is there anything that, uh, as a River Church, that we can be praying for you specifically for or, and for your colleagues? Yeah, thanks. Um, I think just peace over the unit and over the doctors and nurses and everyone treating our patients um and i think for the moms just like that they can have total peace over things and can be really just focused on their labor and delivery experience and instead of looking at the negatives because we usually have three visitors that are allowed in a room at one time they can rotate out and now it's just one person in and then it's like a lockdown and instead of them maybe focusing on negatives or thinking about all the crazy happening, that they can just be in the moment with their new family and yeah. just really focusing on that. Um, are, are babies or newborns at higher risk for a virus at all? Or, or? Um, because it's so new, they're still doing studies Speaking, okay. on it. But I was just watching a breastfeeding conference and they have tested like a select number of patients that they've gotten to be able to do it on and there's no signs of the virus in the amniotic fluid or in breast milk or in their cord blood they tested baby's cord blood after so that's pretty cool even in in positive moms okay wow have you guys had a positive mom come to the floor we've had rule outs but nobody positive yet so that's great yeah but i can only imagine this is supposed to be a a joyous celebration of new life and probably for a mom the anxiety of Mm -hmm. the uncertainty and bringing a child into this world can be hard, but that's where you're there, right? To offer that peace and comfort to them. Well, uh, Molly, again, thank you so much for everything. We're so grateful for you. And River Church, let's just join me right now as we pray for Molly um, and for all her colleagues and everyone else we know who um, is in the healthcare industry and really fighting uh, this fight. So let's pray. Father God, you are the God that sustains us even in the midst of fire in the midst of a global crisis. God, we know that you will sustain us uh, as we, as people, continue uh, the good fight of getting uh, healthy and fighting uh, COVID-19. God, thank you for Molly, for her faith in you that is steadfast. And each day as she goes to work, God, and um, is faced with the realities of caring for people uh, with this Uh, contagious virus, God, that she is caring for them the way you ask us to care for those, to share your love with them, that she's being your hands and feet. Uh, And God, by that love, um, her colleagues and her patients will see, God, uh, the truth of your love and and the good news that Jesus is Lord. Even in the midst of uncertainty, God, you reign. And so we thank you for Molly. And God, we thank you that our assurance is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Molly, let's tap out. Thanks, Matt. Bam. You're awesome. (laughs) All right. Peace River Church. Be well.
We're so excited to now start a time of worship together with Jasmine and Jacob. Good morning, River. I'm going to start by praying for us. So would you bow your heads and grab a hand next to you and close your eyes. Jesus, thank you so much for your presence with us, God, in this, Lord, that you have not left. God, and although we may miss our friends and miss our family, um, Lord, miss being with people, God, we are with you and we are with each other in spirit. Lord, may we worship you today in spirit and in truth, God. Lord, that there is grace and mercy for us new each morning. Lord, can we grab hold of that this morning? Thank you, Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen. People come together, strangers, neighbors, our blood is one. Children of generations, of every nation, of kingdom come. So don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high, don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our help comes from. And oh, 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 Jesus, our redemption. Jesus, our redemption, our salvation, our salvation.
Jesus, we thank you that we can have hope in the and in, in the what it feels like hopeless times, God. That we can look to you, for we know where our help comes from. That we could take courage and we could take heart, knowing that God, there are greater things that are yet to come here in this city, in our nation, in this world, God. So Lord, we put our hope and our trust in you today, Jesus. We love you, God. We praise you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Now let's welcome up Pastor Todd. Good morning, River Church. We're glad you're back with us. You know, uh, Sunday morning used to be one of the most sought-after hours in all of our weeks. And all of a sudden, a lot of competition has just gone away. And here we are. We're together. And we're together again. And maybe God's doing something in that. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. And we're back into Daniel. And we're going to look at Daniel chapter 3 in a minute here. But what I've been thinking about is even in bad times, good things happen. I'm reminded of that um, by several pieces that have been written. I'm more and more selective these days in terms of what I'm reading. Uh, and I read something from uh, the Psychology Today online magazine, and it was an article basically on the good things that have come out of this pandemic. We are more unified. We're growing together as uh, people, of humanity. Uh, we're discovering what's really important in life. And it listed all of these good things that are coming, even out of a bad thing. Wall Street Journal read, just ran an amazing article called The Coronavirus Great Awakening. Phenomenal article. And in it, he quotes a British historian, Dr. Herbert Butterfield, who turns to the Hebrew Old Testament and indicates maybe we've missed something. Maybe a great awakening is actually happening as a result of some catastrophic event in world history. This is what he says. Butterfield says this. Men of spiritual resources may not only redeem catastrophe, but turn it into a grand creative moment. Maybe this is the grand creative moment that God has put us on this earth for. In this moment, Maybe we are the solution to a greater problem. And Daniel reminds us how we are to remain faithful in this time. See, we've got to continue to stand strong in uncertain times. And we were reminded of that last week. This week, again, Daniel chapter 3, we're reminded again what true faith looks like. You have to have true faith in order to stand strong in uncertain time. And there's three tests of that faith. And we're going to look at all three of these, these tests in a moment. Let me tell you the story. The story is about, again, King Nebuchadnezzar. Sixth century BC, Babylon. Israel has been destroyed. Many of its young people have been hauled off from their own land and now live in an uncertain time in a new world. And King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon builds a statue, a massive gold statue, and requires all of his people those from Israel, those from Babylon, to worship this golden image, this idol. You might think there's nothing, you know, why worry about that? What's the problem in worshiping a statue that the king erects? 
It's much like the idols that we have erected in this generation. What's the big deal? So what if you have chosen a few idols to worship in your life? Well, what we learn about faith is important. Daniel and many of the other young men and women that have been hauled off to Babylon at this time remain faithful and they refused to worship this idol. Three of them were pointed out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three young men that were Daniel's friends, were pulled out of the rest of them and they were called and forced to worship this idol. They refused. We learn that in the story that Nebuchadnezzar becomes raged, outraged, angry. Anyone that does not worship my idol will be thrown into a fiery furnace. Oh, believe me, the Babylonians were cruel to their enemies. But they were cruel even to their own people who refused to worship as the king worshipped. These three young men were hauled off to the king and it says, he said, it says, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning the matter whether we will worship your idol or not. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of a blazing fire. He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O King, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar, has them bound and thrown into the fiery furnace. And yet something rem remarkable happens, miraculous. It says that they not only survived the furnace, they came out of the furnace unharmed. The clothes that they were wearing were not even burned, did not, did not even smell like smoke, it says. And one, like the Son of Man, was walking with them in the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, once again, just like in chapter 2, sees the living God in action and honors these three young men in their faith. And we learn something about uh, uh, faith in, in troubling times. The first thing that we learn is that faith has to be rooted. We're going to learn two more things. Faith has to be prioritized and faith has to be tested by fire. That's how you know you have real faith. Faith is believing in something. It's, it's the foundation of your life. We know that. Biblical faith is believing that God is, and that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. That we are called upon to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. So all throughout the Bible, we're called upon to believe by faith. You believe in something. Everybody, whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, you believe in something. You have a faith in something. But it's got to be rooted, it's got to be prioritized, and it's got to be tested by fire. The first thing that we learn is that it was, it was uh, rooted. And we learn that from these three young men that chose not to worship the king's idol. They were rooted in their faith in God, which must have happened early in their life. Um, and we see a contrast between Nebuchadnezzar, who in chapter 2 claims that he now knows God. And yet he builds an idol and worships that idol and forces everyone else. It was a, to worship that idol. It was a faith that was unrooted. A lot of people have a faith that's unrooted. It's, it's, it's a faith that doesn't have a foundation. 
It's an infatuation. It's it could potentially be an ascent. Like I believe in God. Nebuchadnezzar believed in Daniel's God, and yet he never formed any roots to build a faith that he could stand on. These three young men, in contrast, built a rooted faith. And their rooted faith probably came from, like Jeremiah chapter 17, like like the tree that's planted by the streams of water. And it says it takes root. The tree actually takes root. And until the tree takes root, uh, it's not going to last. Your faith won't last if it's simply an infatuation. If it's simply just, I believe in God, an ascent, I believe in God kind of faith. It's got to move to the next level, which is friendship. All three of these young men probably developed something early in their life and their faith that rooted them to God. And it was probably moved, their faith moved, from simply believing that God exists to actually trusting him and becoming a friend with God. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 2, that that we are to be found rooted in his love. See, that's referring to a friendship. We know friendships, great friendships, stand the test of time and stand the test of trials. Any great friend in your life, a good friend, a longtime friend is a great friend because it stood the test of time, because you took the time to build it. I remember this time, this is a crazy story, but we were on a Boy Scout trip. I was with my son and we were going down the Colorado River in, in canoes and the wind, up, uh, the wind picked up and we literally couldn't go any further. And so we waited, stranded all day for rescue. Another dad and I found a, a place to meet and we pulled out, pulled out our chairs and sat up on top of this mountain and the kids were all playing in the water, and we sat and talked for an entire day. No cell phone. We, we just looked at each other. We talked. We, we shared everything about our lives. We felt like we became best friends. We got on the rescue boat, went home, never seen him again in my life. It wasn't mean that it wasn't significant. It just wasn't a rooted friendship. And that's what it looks like to have faith in God. You've got to push to a place where you have developed a friendship with it. My wife loves to garden. And she will tell you, until a plant takes root, it's not going to, it's not, it's, it may not make it. It may not make it. It's got to take roots. She gets it. She won't touch a particular plant and move it to another location until the right time, until it has a healthy rooted system. That's called friendship with God. That's what you have to have. That's what these three young men had in their life. That's why their faith passed that test. The second test we learn in this passage is not only the test of rootedness, but priority. Notice there's an idol now in the land. There's an idol that challenged their commitment to God. There's a lot of idols in our generation. There's a lot of things that uh, vie for our time or our, 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 our worship. A lot of things want us to worship it in our generation. And we have to choose. You've got to choose. These young men chose that they would not worship this particular idol. An idol is a good thing that has been turned into an ultimate thing. It's taken ultimate priority. It takes ultimate priority in your life. That's what an idol is. When the king erected this this statue, he required them to pay ultimate worship 
to this particular idol. And we know that that's dangerous because whatever you worship ultimately will control you. And we've seen, I'm telling you, there are a lot of stories that, that I could tell about how money or sex or power have ultimately controlled someone and ruined them, formed an addiction, or, or literally destroyed them, or they're in jail today because of poor, reckless behavior as a result of worshiping something greater than what is ultimately asked for to be worshipped, which is God himself. I'm going to get personal because I woke up the, this morning about 3.30 in the morning wide awake, and I haven't normally been doing that. I've been sleeping really well, but I woke up at 3.30 in the morning, and I felt really anxious, and I became fearful. And so I started praying, God, you're my friend. What's going on? What's happening? Are you with me? And I began to fear losing control of both my time and my health. And the more it spun out of control, the more it kind of took control of my life. And it began fearing, like, am I sick? Do I, do I feel sick? I had to calm myself down by reminding myself that ultimately I don't worship control. I don't have control anymore. It's the God, it's the God of the universe that I worship and that has ultimate control of my life. See, it's another test of your faith. First John chapter 4, verse 18 reminds us that perfect love casts out all fear. See, a greater fear wipes out the lesser fear. And the greater fear is that I fear God alone. The third thing that we learn in this passage is that faith must pass through the test of fire. Uh, we learn that because uh, all three of these young men were then tied up, their caps, their clothes, they were cast in the midst of the furnace. The heat was turned up. All three of them were subjected to the furnace. Thomas Watson hundreds of years ago, wrote these words, affliction is the antibody of our spiritual disease. You have to go through affliction to burn away the spiritual disease. It produces the kind of trust that we need. We know this, First Peter reminds us, you've got to hear this verse, First Peter chapter 1. It says in verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, even now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say that, that now you believe in him, you greatly rejoice because the, you, you're obtaining now an outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. See, what's happening is your faith is being refined. The salvation of your souls. And, and what Peter is saying is that the dross has to be wiped away. You've got to be matured, it says, by going through the test. You know, when you fire clay and glaze, you turn it into ceramic by turning up the heat and subjecting it to the heat, it actually matures. It uses the word mature. And that 1500 degree Fahrenheit actually matures the clay and the glaze and turns it into a ceramic that you can use. Your faith has to be tested by fire. That's what we learn in this passage. And in the midst of it, 
the most remarkable thing is that there in the midst of them, it says that it says that there's an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord. Who is this angel Lord? Nebuchadnezzar looks and says, I three, I see, I see Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, but I see a fourth person walking around in the fire. Who's the fourth person? He looks closer and he sees one that looks like a son of a God. I mean, he sees the angel of the Lord. We know angel of the Lord is a reference to the pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus himself was in the midst of the flames with these three young men. And as we go through this, we learn two particular things about the testing of our faith in fire. It tests our patience and our tests our outlook. Two things that you need is patience and outlook. Uh, in patience, we are, it says in Psalm 40 verse 1 that I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry. We are so impatient. We want the, but, but notice in the text, it says that they waited they, they, they stayed, they remained inside the furnace until the king called them out. So we want to hurry God. A Japanese theologian became famous for this line. God is a three mile an hour God. Why? Because he's a God of love. Because that's how long love takes to take root. God loves you, but you got to remain faithful to him. Hold on, even in a furnace slow down. We learn a second thing. And the second thing is, is our outlook is being tested. It's, it's, you think outlook, well, what, what's going on in this passage? Well, it says that the three young men were walking about. Maybe they were dancing. Who knows? The, but their outlook wasn't, they were sit, they were not sitting uh, in a corner frightened. They were walking around in the flames. It was about their outlook. I think that's what we're learning from these three young men. They weren't just frightened. They weren't just going through the flame wondering what was gonna happen. Their outlook was positive. They were walking around. And at the end of this passage, it says that Nebuchadnezzar, again, once again, acknowledges their God and they prosper. Three things that your faith needs. Needs rootedness. You get rooted in your faith when you move from infatuation to friendship with God. You also need a priority. What's the ultimate priority in your life? There's a lot of things that you could, that, that vie for your time and, and your worship, and one thing remains stable and constant. It's the Lord. Is he first priority? Are you worshiping him? Are you making time for him? And the third thing that we learn is it's gotta go through a test of fire. All good things are tested by fire. So let me pray for you. So Father, this morning, again, as we think of uh, uh, where we are in the midst of an uncertain time, I pray that as Psalm 40 verse 3 says, that you put a new song in our minds, in our hearts, and that we sing out in our mouths a song of praise to our God we sing. We want to be those kinds of people, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name that we would find that in the midst of uncertain times, our faith would come out even stronger and that we would remain strong to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Were creation suddenly articulate? 
with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south from east to west we'd hear christ be magnified were the whole earth echoing his eminence his name would burst from sea and sky oh from rivers to the mountain tops we'd hear christ be magnified yes. and oh christ be Christ be magnified in me. And oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Christ be magnified. 
always be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. All right, River Church. Well, be well. And as we conclude our service today, I want to offer this benediction. It's uh, doxology, and it's usually sung, so I will not be singing it though right now to make an embarrassing fool out of myself, but uh, let me say it to you and join me in saying, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise God all creatures here below, praise God above the heavenly hosts, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. Thanks River Church for tuning in again on Sunday. We're here every Sunday at 9 a.m. for as long as this thing lasts, but just remember to click the red button below if you haven't already and push subscribe so that you can stay up to date on all the videos that we're posting. And if you wanna go a step further, remember to turn on those notifications. It's the bell on one of the sides of your screens, I'm not sure, but click that, make sure that's on, and we're so excited to see you soon. Have a great day.